man. There's a beverage here, huh? Does anybody here know how many times I've had to watch Funny Lady? I'm gonna get that gun of mine, and I'm gonna change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Hello everyone and welcome to Who Shot Ya? I'm your host, Ify Wadiway, and in the bizoof with me uh, this week is <laughs> Film Reviews Editor at The Wrap, Alonzo Duralde. What is good? Oh gosh, Ify. Well, I'll tell you, um, the Goldfinch is coming out this week, which is not good. But <laughs> uh, I did want to point people to uh, YouTube to check out, uh, Ansel Elgort did a music video for a song called Thief. And apparently it's a thing that he posted and then has been unposting. It's like it's become the Star Wars holiday special where they keep trying to take it down and other people keep putting it up because it's as bananas as the Star Wars holiday special. Oh, like apparently Ansel Elgort had this hot five minutes where he thought he was going to be the new Robin Thicke or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this music video is bonanas and it you just have to see it that sounds delicious <laughs> <laughs> also in the bizoof with me as producer and film festival programmer drea clark what so good <laughs> you landed okay i'm changing mine last minute oh. inspired by alonzo's youtube selection okay one of my favorite games to play if you're hanging out with friends is just YouTube and you try and outdo each other for ridiculous things. And um, an, a forgotten classic that's no one's tried to bury, but I just encourage people to Google Jessica Simpson and Jewel because the two of them did a duet on Jessica Simpson's short-lived variety show of Who Will Save Your Soul ah. that is one of the most painfully awkward white girl things you will ever see <laughs> wow. in your life. It is... I can't, the words don't describe, I don't possess the vocabulary to just get into the earnestness and lack of soulfulness that they <laughs> endeavor to put into this piece. Please Google that. It's what's good. It is what's good with me always. But, uh, <laughs> yes, in, in keeping with Alonso's theme. I'll, I'll do that right now. Ooh, and also <laughs> in the Bazoof, an esteemed guest. Wonderful. Stop trying to make Bazoof happen. No, no it's going to happen. <laughs> Bazoof and Leo Dio all happening. Uh, actor, writer, and director Amber Benson. What's good? Um, I forgot the name of the guy. Will Patton. Will Patton. Will Patton. Okay. I literally had to look it up like 15 times because I'm getting old and things just slip out of my head. Um, in, in in the sort of the spirit of, of Stephen King, I, I got the audiobook for Finders Keepers and Will Patton does all the voices, even Ooh. the lady voices. Ooh. It's very sexy and scary and not as, not as earnest as Jessica Simpson and Jewel. Few things are. <laughs> Few things are. But they were probably equally terrifying. <laughs> yes, equally terrifying and all uh, brought to you by Chicken of the Sea. Oh. <laughs> no, that was such a deep callback. Thank, like, you. Thank you. You might... Some younger listeners might have to yeah, ask Google it, why kids. that's relevant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Iffy, what's good? Iffy, how good? Speaking of chicken, <laughs> speaking of chicken, KFC has dropped a uh, romance game, a anime romance game based oh, off yeah. of such popular games on Steam like Hatofo Boyfriend, where you play a pigeon trying to uh, marry, or Dream Daddy, where you try and find <laughs> your daddy that you want to be with. So KFC, you know, instead of releasing a bomb-ass chicken sandwich like Popeyes did, they're like, why don't we just do a game and get people talking about us and it worked for my weird corner of the internet oh my god <laughs> yeah. The, yeah the overlap of kfc oh, yeah. and 
like dating game is so specific to you. Well, it's really well, exciting. It's been weird how many like <laughs> brands on Twitter are like trying to like nudge in a pop culture. Like Arby's keeps doing their like cardboard <laughs> anime cutouts. And it's so funny because it's a mix of people being like, oh man, hello fellow kids, you're a corporation, but also <laughs> this is really cool and I love it. <laughs> so it's like, y'all calm down. Well, they put out a Colonel Sanders romance novel a couple years ago. Oh. No. I think it was something like Tender Wings of Desire or something. <laughs> Stop it. It was not that good. Oh. Oh, I hope there's some crossover, like little Easter eggs uh, calling back, because that I like a bit follow through all the way. Absolutely. <laughs> Commit. Yes. But on today's show, we'll be talking about It Chapter 2, uh, Movie Redux, Face Off, and of course, as always, we'll have our staff picks. But first, it's time for our new segment called It Addict, short for Is This Important? Do I Care? Each of us will read a new segment and answer the question, Is This Important? Do I Care? First off and foremost, we're talking about in a recent interview with MovieWeb, A Quiet Place screenwriters Scott Beck and Brian Woods discussed a meeting they had with Lucasfilm. Apparently, Lucasfilm wanted to court them to work on future Star Wars or Indiana Jones movies, but the writers wanted none of it. They pushed back, and apparently Brian Woods said, we want to talk to you about what is Star Wars before it was Star Wars. You guys have a responsibility to start a new franchise. That's where our hearts have always been, just trying to create original ideas. Then Scott Beck added, would... We would rather create what the next Indiana Jones would be. Is this important? Do you care? Uh, yeah, I definitely think it's important. I think it's funny that they're using the same buzzwords execs used to like court writers. Like, what's the new Star Wars? What's the new Indiana Jones? I want to see that. I do think some of the phrasing of it might be not spot on. There, I doubt that those writers looked at their conversations with Lucasfilm as pushback and oh, more yeah. as, no, we were pitching original yeah, yeah, concepts. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't pushing back at Lucasfilm who could employ us for the rest of our days. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that when I think of original screenwriting concepts that A Quiet Place is my go-to. It did kind of feel like of a piece with other stuff I've seen. But they're right. Like, you know, the, the, the industry is so afraid of new ideas. And yes, obviously, Obviously, you can point to like, nobody went to see Valerian or whatever, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they, they, we just get entrenched in these franchises. And so for people who grew up when Star Wars and Indiana Jones were new things, they would like their children to maybe grow up on their own new things and not just more Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Yeah. I, I was just hoping for the, the trilogy of American Graffiti to be finished. <laughs> right? Even more American Graffiti. Because right. yes. there's um, two, right? There's, yes. Oh, my God. Where's the third? So many unanswered she, questions. She's been begging for that capper. I do think there's also something um, about if I was a screenwriter and I was like a hot, topic with Lucas Films, I'd be like, yeah, I would also like to create original content because then I get a piece of that in oh, a yeah. way that I would not with Star Wars. Like, there's a sequel to A Quiet Place that these guys have nothing to do with that they will probably get exact producer yeah. credit on, they'll get money on, they'll get back end on sure. because they created the characters and everything. And that's that's how you're looking out for a long time career. Oh yeah. This is also Lucasfilm, a division of the Walt Disney Company yeah. as opposed to old school like let's all sit around and, you know, Napa Valley and brainstorm right. with George ideas. Yeah. I want to really build on that Radioland Murders universe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but also on a creative level, you know, working with someone's IP, it could be precious. Like I know if you mm. want to mm. do anything in Marvel, you have to go through Kevin Feige, you right. know, and, you know, and if you have an idea that he's not 
jazzed about, then you don't get to make the thing you want to make. And now yeah. you're making this watered down version of the thing you want to make. So I can see also on that end where you're like, no, I want to do a thing that I kind of can make and not have to answer to anyone's, you know, pre-existing lore. Um, I do have some pushback for this pushback story. <laughs> I think A Quiet Place is a very original work. And I think it Ooh. was one of those when it came out and the concept was that there's a creature out there and it, you, it can't hear you. It seemed so simple and I couldn't think of a direct corollary of no, another it can story. Hear you. It can only hear you. No, but I mean for your safety, it can't hear you. Oh, I oh, double I negative you. Yeah, yeah. You. yeah, okay. yeah. I, I double negative you, sir. <laughs> but no, for me, I remember when it came out thinking, oh, what a clean, simple horror concept that I don't remember having seen before. I just want, you know, I just really want to defend these guys in case they get rich. Real rich. <laughs> Remember me. Uh, in a recent interview with Variety, Christian Bale was asked about the casting of Robert Pattinson as the new Batman. He said he thought it was a good and interesting choice, uh, but he was also asked if he had any advice for Pattinson, and he had this to say. Oh, same as for Ben, just be able to pee by yourself. You don't feel much like a superhero when you can't take a piss. <laughs> Is this important? Do you care? <laughs> I think it's important to have people reminded that Christian Bale's accent has been this amazing. It's not even just that it's English. It's that he's always done this like, oh, hey, bruv, isn't it? No, no, like, what, what docks were you raised on? You went to boarding school, man. Um, I do like his choice as an actor. Describe it as a good and interesting casting because yeah. it seems really dismissive, right? Oh, yeah. I, the, the idea that you would even ask him at this point, True. like, it, it seems like he's moved past it so much and that the the Batman movies they're making now are so different from the ones oh, yeah. that he was making. It's like, why not just, why not ask George Clooney? Ask Michael Keaton. He's the yeah. only one I care about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is at this point two Batmans ago. Oof. <laughs> yeah, because I've, for, it's I've be, forgotten about Ben Affleck, Me too, frankly. me too, until you were like, why? And I was like, oh yeah, there was, because I was like, wasn't he in Batman? Nope, that was Batfleck. Uh, he also short... told Ben to make sure he could pee in his suit by himself. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Speaking of a woman who has never been replaced, you can never replace her because she's the best, Linda Hamilton. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen any, the trailer for the new Terminator, um, my sweet, sweet lady, Linda Hamilton, not a friend of mine, but I'll pretend she is, <laughs> is back for the new Terminator sequel, Dark Fate. Um, Tim Miller directed and James Cameron produced, and they brought her back out of semi-retirement to get her to play the iconic role of Sarah Connor. And everyone probably remembers originally seeing Sarah Connor as like this incredibly buff, super ripped woman. Oh, yeah. In well, a time not, not originally, originally. Not yeah. originally, yeah, sorry, in, in, two. <laughs> in two. And and it was at a time when um that was not it was a very waif-centric uh, social <laughs> or atmosphere of female body It was types. not the paradigm. Yes. Um, in a recent interview with the New York Times, Hamilton said for this film, she had to put in 10 times the effort that she put into the second one. And according to the article, she trained in the desert with the Green Berets and was put on a doctor-authorized schedule of supplements and bioidentical hormones to help build muscle. She said of the training, it's not that I was afraid to let the fans down. I was afraid to let Sarah Connor down. <laughs> Is this important? Do you care? 
I care in that I'm sure somewhere Schwarzenegger was eating a sub sandwich while she's having <laughs> supplements and bioidentical hormones put into her. Uh, yeah, that's that is not easy to do. And and you know, T two was twenty eight years. She's ago. sixty. Yeah. yeah, or she was sixty at the time of the training that she did. Yeah. Yeah. For this, that seems so exhausting. I think, I, I think it's important, actually, because yeah. the idea that we have all these dudes like Rambo, final, like, we have action heroes that go on and on and on until they're in wheelchairs trying to kill people. Now we have a comp, you know, a comparable. We have Linda Hamilton at 60 doing the same thing, saying I can be a tough, badass bitch and still take my supplements and kick your ass. My, my <laughs> bioidentical hormones. I would almost go and say not the same thing. First off and foremost, of course I care. Look at me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but there's two two reasons. I want to bounce on that, but I definitely I have a fun reason for why it's important. But I think she's doing more than her male counterparts. Like if you go back and yeah. look at you know your Stallone. Yeah. Your no, you're right. you're actually, they're they're like I, I was buff. You 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 yeah. remember me? I'm gonna just wear a t-shirt, and she's like, I'm no, no I'm a You're living. totally right. Yeah. She's not phoning yeah. it. But one thing I do like about it, and the reason I find it's important when people talk about this stuff is because lots of times we see these ripped bodies on the screen, and we're mm-hmm. like, oh man, if I just tried hard enough, <laughs> I can. It's like, no, she's taking supplements, hormones. Mm-hmm. She has all the time in the world. She's getting her personal trainer paid she's a for. Team. It's all yeah. you know. It's there it's, are green berets involved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so, so like, you know, never like try and go for that body. She didn't go to curves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No Zumba. (laughs) Yeah, so just, you know, don't be hard on yourself when you see Sarah Connor and don't let uh, any of us meatheads uh, slap a meme on a picture of her and be like, what's your excuse? Because, you know, there are tons of adequate excuses. It was her job. Yeah, exactly. Who I cannot wait till someone pays me a bill to go to the gym. That's when you're going to see like iffy. Uh, alpha or Omega, whichever the one you know. This is incredible. I, mean. <laughs> I want you to just keep naming Greek letters. Uh, uh, gamma. If you uh, don't, if you don't just come in hard, yeah, yeah, you guys. You Omicron, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna take a break, but when we come back, we'll be talking about it, chapter two, just as soon as we hear from another one of the shows on Maximum Fun. Hello there, ghouls and gals. It is I, April Wolf. I'm here to take you through the twisty, scary, heart-pounding world of genre cinema on the exhilarating program known as Switchblade Sisters. The concept is simple. I invite a female filmmaker on each week, and we discuss their favorite genre film. Listen in closely to hear past guests like the Babadook director, Jennifer Kent, Winter's Bone director, Deborah Granick, and so many others every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Tune in if you dare. <laughs> it's actually a very thought-provoking show that deeply explores the craft and philosophy behind the filmmaking process while also examining film through the lens of the female gaze. So, like, you should listen. Switchblade Sisters. Welcome back to Who Shot You. I'm your host, Ify Wadiway, and in the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Amber Benson. Alonzo Duraldi. And today we're talking about It Chapter 2. Alonzo, please give us a synopsis of the film. <laughs> yeah, Alonzo. <laughs> uh, all right. It's 27 years later, and Pennywise is back. So they, the, the Scooby gang has to get back together again to, like... To, 
defeat him and <laughs> they all have to each individually have their own flashbacks, which is why this movie is 20 fucking hours long. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> I like this movie, but... Because of that, I'm going to start with my, like, big, <laughs> big questions. Some might even say problems. Like, were, <laughs> were we, were we like, one, do we have to open with a hate crime? Like, do that, that hate yeah. crime beginning? Would that, has, that does not affect uh, anything. Hashtag it was in the book. Like, literally, that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. that's the only reason it's there. But it we skipped the, the child book. orgy. But we, we skipped the child orgy <laughs> and the turtle, but we got to <laughs> get that gay bashing in. The, it starts not, it, the, it's like three terrible things in yeah. quick succession beyond just the realm of like horror terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It starts with a gay bashing, like Ugh. visceral, horrible fight that you feel. And that the um, the victim was played by Xavier Dolan was yeah. crazy to me um, that he signed up for. I don't know. It was just a fascinating choice. And then we go from there to a... Apparently Bruce LaBruce was busy. <laughs> Bruce LaBruce. Alonzo gets a thousand points for working in Bruce LaBruce into our It Chapter 2 discussion. The And then like quick succession, there was also a um, marital like spousal abuse yeah. scene. Yeah. And there were just a few things that I was like, these aren't scary clown things i don't want why am i watching terrible news stuff like yeah. right now I, I think that's what it was for me is like it was like because also in the rules of horror that we've known is like you know the dickheads usually are you know the first victims but we don't get that the the person mm. gets gay bash thrown over and then eaten <laughs> yeah. like 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 what and i i was just and it's like because i get the you know uh that like that same kind of i call it the mississippi burning effect where you get like real mad and you're like i this is a this has reminded me of an oppression that exists and that i deal with that friends and family have to deal with and i want to find someone to enact this pain onto them and so it just was weird for it to not pay off. This movie has weird gay stuff, but we'll stick a pin oh. in that because I want to oh, come yeah. back to that one later. Th- that's the, that was the first part of it, and I feel like we're going to talk about yeah. the same thing. Well, we'll come back to that. <laughs> it sets a really weird tone for a straight up like candy horror film. Yeah, you know? yeah. This is, I mean, and it, this isn't like an urban blight horror film. This is no. a yeah. this is a killer clown in the yep. sewers horror film. Yeah. Well, you that's know. the thing. Once Alien. it started going. And Amber and I saw it on, like, opening weekend at the Arclight, like, big audience with kids. There were a lot of teen, yeah. preteen-looking people there who loved it. And I was literally, when it started and I had this real-world stuff, I was concerned for these young. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, uh-huh. yeah. But I did feel, once it moved more into the fantastical yeah. stuff, oh, yeah. I had a lot more fun with it. I actually yep. enjoyed this one, watching it more than I did the first one. 100%. Um, wow. I thought I had, um, I felt like... I enjoyed seeing the characters, both old and young. I liked the, the like one at a time. It is such a conceit. Of, yeah. They each have to go. They're told. They're brought back. And I would definitely love to talk about Mike, the friend who stayed. Yeah. Um, they're oh, brought yeah. back. You to, know, I got thoughts. Yeah. They're brought back to one <laughs> at a time. They have to like go into their own histories and darknesses to find a totem of sorts so it allows all of these like one-off and they say they're like all right we need to split up to do this and like three of them are like that is so dumb (laughs) it's nice to hear you acknowledge that but the mic i think is an interesting point to look at 
Mike is played by Isaiah Mustafa in this, which I like to remind people it's the hot old spice guy right. because he <laughs> is. I know, he got, he's, he's, he's a little thicker in this one. He's still so hot, but like. Oh, yeah. Back when he was allowed to have a personality. Yes, yeah. he was yep. known for charm and charisma in like a millisecond, and all of that is sucked away. Yeah. What I found when we watched the first one, they gave some of the storyline from Mike to Ben, the fat kid, because they all just had one thing, especially yeah. in yes. the first one. And the fat kid was the one who was like obsessed with the history of the town. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. They switched characters for that. But okay. But for some reason in the adult version, they it switched, switched it back. back. <laughs> and I'm like, so the one black kid that you've had that we've seen has gone through like his own persecution <laughs> outside of this fantastical Pennywise. Oh, yeah. yep. He's stayed in town. It's the most thankless, literally this guy that I'm like, None of the what is happening. It's the weirdest. He doesn't even character. get a flashback because he's no. the only one who doesn't forget his past. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's it, it's this weird well, way of kind already, of yeah. marginalizing this one yep. the well, one character of color. Also, yeah. he's like he's borderline magical Negro. Uh, yes. He, yep. he, and he goes he he he's goes and meets Negro. up with the other uh, magical people of color, uh, the natives. Yes. Uh, yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. And transfers the magic onto that. So th- there was that. And honestly, I thought I was like, oh, did you make a point to switch it back to? him so that it wasn't the white kid going to the Native American and like but is it even worse? Like your well, with, like, with my thing is, I think that was the disconnect. If if um if he if they would have left him as this person obsessed with the history of the town, I think it would have worked better. But to me, it just read now the way they've made it as this you know guy who just became obsessed over a trauma and he decides to stay there you know they even flash back where he's like i want to go to florida but he's yeah. but he's, yep. he's the one everyone else is hyper successful like yeah. not just like kind of successful everyone is hyper successful and this dude lives in a library uh <laughs> so he does have my dream apartment it's like in like, the attic of a library it's all i've ever wanted like, I, i'm i'm surprised that you found this movie more entertaining because i was shocked at how slapdash Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Bill Hader Ooh, is, true, is is fine with a yes. with a character that's got weird writing, and we'll get to that yes. in a second. But, oh yeah. Uh, but just generally speaking, this this felt so like. Uh, you know, Whitney Seibold said, if this movie didn't have IP going for it and weren't a sequel to a hit, we would be laughing this off the screen. Like, it is so thrown together and goes in so many weird mm. directions that make no sense. And, like, just it, it cobbles together these, you know, like... Yeah, you gotta just you gotta check off all those damn flashbacks, and then the movie pretty much ends with I mean, you know, like the the is the message of the film if you want to beat a bully, you become a bully. No, what <laughs> I my idea of it and why I enjoyed it more. The first one I don't even remember. I just I was not a fan of. I mm. wouldn't have seen this if we weren't talking about it because I was really like disappointed in the first one. I'd read the book, I'd seen the miniseries, and I was. And also, it's a fault with the properties. It makes Pennywise makes no sense. Like it doesn't. <laughs> and so this one, I think I'd sort of succumb to that more. But I also I found that what what it was saying about how adults perceive things and how children perceive things meant made sense to me. It made sense of the nonsense of it because part of it was the adults were often saying like, "This is nonsense. This is this isn't real." You know, they, they were even forget it. Yeah, they were facing yeah. those right. things. Well, in and a it's way. all this giant metaphor for trauma, which is fine, and that's an approach. But then it doesn't seem to really know how to address that or come to any sort of conclusion about it. I found that it wasn't just about trauma, though. Like for me, it was. 
the perception of things, like the final, and we won't get into it because I know for the three people left who haven't seen it because it did bonkers <laughs> box office, but the the finale of it made total sense to me of like, oh, this is why you need adult versions of these children to come back because how the adults are approaching this problem is it's an inherent intellectual thing they're doing that requires their age and experience of how they're facing it. That's all I can say without getting yeah. into the like specifics yeah. well, more. Well, I will say, speaking of the specifics of like Pennywise, what what got fun to me as a turbo nerd was the lore of it. Because, you know, if, if you're a Stephen King nerd, which I'm not, but like I got, was, there's a whole monster fucking thing and then I found, I had to go down this loophole to find out about, uh, there's a whole community online. It's actually real <laughs> cool. There's like a crossover. Of, like, it's a, like, Are you talking about the Pennywise Duke slash fiction? No, so like there's it's kind of there's okay. like a community of like people who are who call themselves monster fuckers and like a lot of people uh someone was uh someone in my uh Twitch community was putting me onto this and uh you know they're queer but a lot of like queer or like trans people go into they they're finding like a correlation of kind of like almost the same way with furries where it's like oh you kind of are Sort of stepping out of yourself to have this kind of experience. Anyway, I was being a pedantic nerd because they were saying uh, they were talking about how you can't fuck it, and I was like, you can totally fuck it. Yeah. And then I because <laughs> it is a shape shifter. Anyway, those three through, those through, three lights are pretty that, hot. Yeah, guys. three through <laughs> sexy ass deadlights. <laughs> through um like uh going through this, I found out about like the deadlights and how like Stephen King has built these universe of monsters. And so knowing that and going into this, it was cool that they touched on it. But there are little like even more pedantic nerd things. That I'm like, it's like one, wh- why do they all know it's deadlights? Like who, yeah. who 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 schooled them on that? Two, uh, there's uh, as a nerd when you create a fantastical enemy and create a fantastical solution, and then you're just like, nah, it didn't work. We're just going to use friendship. That's always going to be whack to me. It's like no, like why do the natives have to be wrong? You already like you already yeah. like. There is something I'm I'm. Like, there is something, you know, this is a diverse enough group where we kind of sidestep it, but the idea of, like, you know, the native origin people of color had the solution, but it didn't work, but our white minds (laughs) will think of something they couldn't. But, all right, so we've been talking around this. Let's talk about Eddie. No, not Eddie. No, No, Richie. Richie Richie. Okay. So in the the thing they have added to Richie that was not in the book is that now he's gay, which is fine, whatever. You You can do that if you want. They spin his gayness in the most, like, production code kind of between yeah. the lines only if you're paying attention and squint at it yeah. just right like I'm sure millions of moviegoers left the theater with Not no idea knowing. wait really that that oh, yeah. well yeah. that's why I was gonna say I, I was, was so say, overt is he well my thing is this it's funny that a movie that opens with two gay men kissing is pussyfooting so much around the idea that he's in the closet. And then the fact that Pennywise, we dropped, what, three, four F-bombs and Pennywise can't be like, you're gay. He's like, I know your secret. Oh, now now you've learned subtlety, Pennywise. After (laughs) after eating all these children, now you're like, well, I don't want to say. Here's where discretion comes in. It felt really weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, if you're going to do it, do it and yeah. like you know have that be part of how Pennywise tortures him or whatever. But like it was so oblique. I'm yeah. like, why? That's is funny so because oblique? it seems so clear to me that I was ignoring. And you're totally right. Like they do 
But again, it seems so straightforward. I was like, yeah, that's the singular motivation of his character. And Amber, what did you think of the different, like the horror construction of it? Like, were you bothered by the sort of like in and out? It it just sort of felt like a tacked on sort of ending to me. Mm. I didn't know why they made two films out of it. You know, I mean, I understand two, why. Two three-hour films. Two three-hour yeah. films. Yeah. It just, it just, it, if you're going to do that, you really need to stick the the landing. Yeah. And there's no sticking of the landing. This is, you know, like you said, it was very by the numbers, very rote. Here's one person's journey, the next person's journey, and by the end of it, you're like, oh, well, what did we learn here? Not that much. <laughs> <laughs> I have an argument to make for that, but I can't make it if we're not discussing spoilers. So we'll talk about it later. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you, you know, I I think we have to talk about uh, you know the the scariness of it between me and Alonzo. Oh yeah, you guys uh, are real chickens. I'm a, I'm a super chicken. Oh, yeah. I was not much scared by this, frankly. Uh, I, I, there were a couple of Alonzo Duralde, not much scared. There were there were a couple of jump scares and and but but I, I think I didn't find Pennywise all that threatening this time. I mm. think it just sort of felt like oh this again. He doesn't have because I think part of the problem people have been pointing this out is like we don't know what Pennywise can and can't do, and so part of what makes a character scary is knowing exactly what they're capable of and what their vulnerabilities are. But he's such a dreamlike, you know, logic-defying character that's like, well, you're just you're the air. That is true because like. There are times when it's like, oh, why didn't you try and kill him? Versus like times he's like, I'm just here to spook you. I'm just here. And like yes. the, the baseline, you know, generally accepted idea is that he's fueled by your fear. And, you know, but it seems like that doesn't, you know, determine when and when he can't kill you. Yeah. Right. He just kind of decides, I guess. But uh, and I think it was more it, it, it kind of wrapped up better in the first one because there was that idea of like he's kind of fueled off the fear so it's like oh i could see why he might play with his food a bit because he's he's trying to get them more and more scared but at this point you like at this point like he knew the whole time that they're trying to body him so he should have been like i gotta get rid of y'all because you're trying to kill yeah, me why did he want them back so badly i know yeah it, yeah he definitely the, I'll, I'll stand by it's the same problem I had with the first one. The entire conceit of the mythology of Pennywise is nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. Like, you can find 15 things that, oh, it's because he likes to the fear. No, it's all nonsense. Yeah. He's also an alien. Like, he's been here for millions of years. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I, I do like the, uh, the, the, I don't know if you guys have seen the photo online. Apparently, Bill Hader was asking uh, uh Bill Sarsgaard, what's Sarsgaard's yeah, first yeah, name? Bill. Uh, about how they CG'd the thing where his eye, where one eye goes in the direction, and apparently Sarsgaard can actually just do that, <laughs> no. and he did it. And Bill Hader's like, ah, and he totally freaked him out. <laughs> I know. I really, you know, people were saying that they liked like Tim Curry more and all that. I really like because Bill has such an interesting, like, interesting face. I like his Pennywise. Like, yeah. I like the way he mm. looks with the weird buck teeth. Like, mm. it really, like, it really does it Constant for me. Drool. Yeah. Yeah, like that. Yeah, that that you know was a personal choice. Like that was not in the script. He's like, I'm gonna just spit when I talk. Like, yeah, I saw Viola do it in Fences, and I want to just like <laughs> take the, this. And off. the way that he can go from the sort of like childlike yeah. voice, yeah, to like, blah, 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 it's, you know? I really enjoy all of that. But yeah, I do think there. It, when now saying it is like, yeah, we don't know what Pennywise wants, <laughs> and it seemed like 
like they just I feel like at this point, you know, we've already had the first attempt. There are certain we can all agree there are certain things that they could have just, you know, taken liberties with and switched up. Like, you know, maybe removing that first sequence of the movie, having something else. I don't know. Maybe mix things up and then uh, having uh, the gay couple beat the shit out of those homophobes <laughs> and then get killed. Like, I, I that's that's what yeah. I was hoping. Like, yeah. I'd love a fake out like that to to see some homophobes get the shit beat out of them. Like, I'd, oh, man, I'd love that every time. Anytime, uh, any scene with, like, an action movie where, like, a, like a man captures a woman and is being, like, real sexist and is calling her a bitch and she gets to, like, just destroy him. Like, I like that. You know, they, it just, there are too many things that felt like there were no real payoff. Like, like if we revisit the, like, uh, domestic dispute, which I laughed in the theater and everyone thought that I was being a weirdo. But when she runs down in that painting of them that just looks like an abused couple, like, I was like, this is ridiculous. Well, like, it just felt like there was a lot of stuff that didn't pay off. Like yeah. the kid from the the bad kid from the first one who oh, right. they just oh, like, God, yeah, you we know, didn't even talk about him. We, yeah. we barely deal with him. Yeah. You know, I don't want to give anything away, but yeah. like, it's a very like, oh, Suddenly okay. Pennywise needs minions. Yeah, that was that was wild is Which that is, in the book that he that's, a very, okay. that's a very stephen king thing the minion mm-hmm. but um yeah and then like the stakes i think that that's why the like sort of the one after the other thing that we were talking about before where they all go on their little journey felt to me they didn't feel like there were stakes because well, yeah, you like, know none of them are gonna die yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly and i th- i feel like if, if i had felt like more stakes with each of those sequences i would have enjoyed it more Mm-hmm. I think that was my sort of problem with it. So uh, let's give our final review. Would you screen it, stream it, or skip it? Um, you're looking at yeah. me. <laughs> so I would say for this, I would say stream it. I mm. think um, I think it's. I had more fun watching it than the second one or than the first one, and um, and I think it's. You know, a good two hour, 42 minutes of nonsense. Don't look for a for a conclusive ending. But or or for anything to make too much sense, but I I thought it was a fun fun ride. Yeah, stream it because the performances we had some really oh, yeah, good yeah. performances yes. and the casting. Funny. I mean, everyone said that yeah. too. Casting's the casting great. Bonkers. It was funny. I think that that's why I enjoyed this one more than the first one, mm. even though there was some logic stuff and it it didn't quite make sense at points. I I genuinely laughed. There were some funny moments. The little peak is peak or yeah, the Pomeranian. The Pomeranian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like th- those moments are funny and, yeah. and and they take you out of the the horror. I guess stream it. Uh, <laughs> like I had a much better time at scary stories to tell in the dark, frankly. Um, yeah, I, I, like I would say read the book. It's trashy and it's twelve hundred pages, but it it does it is a page turner and it does kind of like draw you into all this nonsense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think this is this is kind of a kind of a mess, but. Bill Hader and Jessica Chastain. Not a good James McAvoy performance. He's not given much to do. I'm I'm starting to forget what a James McAvoy good (laughs) performance looks like because after, like, you know, Split and Glass. He is great in Split. Oh. mm. Uh, Ransom, what's his... Too uh, much. Yeah, he was really good, too. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, but like but grown up fat kid just it was one of those actors like Jay Ryan yeah you look like ten other people I can't uh, quite place you know who you there's are. no world where they didn't go out to Jerry O'Connell for that role right oh well <laughs> like totally. the famous fat kid from Stand by Me for oh, yeah. sure yeah, yeah no yeah, yeah. world where they didn't do that uh, anyway yeah. yeah 
Uh, for me, I'm actually going to say screen it, mostly because I feel like if you stream it, you're going to be on your phone the whole time because on the points where it dips, you're just going to be like, because I was even starting to like check out. I'm like, man, because like I feel like, yeah, lots of funny, fun moments. Like it feels like very similar to what I like about a lot of the Avengers movies where like they break up the scary beats with fun jokes and all the funny stuff really hit for me. All the scary stuff really spooked for me. What really d- dragged was, I think, uh, two parts, just the stuff that could have been cut and talking about it and really discovering uh, <laughs> just that uh, there was really no, weren't really any stakes. Uh, and that's uh, that's the It Chapter 2. Uh, let us know what it do. We'll be right back <laughs> after we hear from another show on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to WKEP at night. Up next, looks like we've got a PSA from local forest ranger Duck Newton. Do I start now or? Yeah, I lean in, Duck. Yeah, sorry. Um, okay, I, I wanted to address the unfortunate situation that. Okay, listen, two people, good people that I and a lot of y'all have known our whole lives are dead, torn to shreds a by a savage, uh, bloodthirsty beast that defies human comprehension. If you'd like to know more, stop by the Cryptonomica, Kepler's premier museum of the macabre, just off Highway 20. Come on. We just wanted to warn y'all to to beg you. If you see one of those things out in the forest, don't fight. Don't scream. Run. Run as far as you can. Doc, it's almost midnight. Listen, folks, if you see anything, please go to thelamplighter.org and let us know and get behind a locked door tonight. Anything else we need to... They're leaving. Okay, well, that's thelamplighter.org, and stay safe out there, Kepler. Welcome back to Who Shot Ya? I'm your host, Ify Wadiway. In the studio with me are... Alonzo Duraldi. Amber Benson. Drea Clark. And today we're doing a segment called Movie Redux. It's our opportunity to pitch a remake of a classic film. We'll recast and rework the film to our liking. Since it was just announced this week that they're remaking the classic 1997 John Woo film, Face Off, we thought we'd get the ball rolling with some fresh ideas. So today, we're remaking Face Off. For those who don't know what this film is about, here's a quick, not confusing synopsis. (laughs) John Travolta plays FBI agent Sean Archer and Nicolas Cage plays domestic terrorist Caster Troy. In order to uncover a secretly planted bomb in Los Angeles, Travolta undergoes experimental surgery to swap faces with terrorist Cage. Travolta with Cage's face goes into a maximum security prison to talk to Cage's brother about the location of the bomb. Cage wakes up from coma with no face, calls his gang, and forces the doctors to put Travolta's unused face on Cage's body. Cage with Travolta's face runs amok, getting emotionally close to Travolta's family, and eventually has to face off against Travolta with Cage's face. They fight. Cage with Travolta's face is killed. Travolta with Cage's face gets his own face back, and also he and his wife adopt Cage's son. You guys, weren't we just talking about original movies? Oh, man. Don't get any more original than Face Off. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Except for now when they're doing the remake. Of course. I was thinking, you know, there was that SNL sketch where Peter Dinklage and Leslie Jones go on naked and afraid. (laughs) 
I'm just saying cast the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there is, I mean, on a, on a very real production side, you're limited in the sense of casting. Because I already cast this on Twitter that I said I would like to see this, but only if Catherine O'Hara and Joan Cusack played <laughs> the two leads. And part of my thinking of that was if once I was like, well, Catherine O'Hara, duh, she should be in every remake. And then I was like, oh, I kind of need another white lady because the... You guys, it is a very real science putting a face on another <laughs> yeah. face cleanly. I mean, obviously, there's there is a science of people who've had like terrible deformities or accidents, but there's not the seamless movie. Well, uh, that's that's what I was going to mention. Is in 1997 we did not have successful face uh, surgeries, and now we have. And noticed how much time it actually takes to grow into your new face. Uh, to grow into it, it always looks a little different. I mean, like yeah. you bo- whatever, it's nonsense. But for me, even the cat- <laughs> of it, like of looking at Dinklage and Liz- Leslie Jones, there's something there of, oh, then the whole movie is being like, why is there a black woman's face on this small white man? See, I think they're like, doing it all wrong. It needs to be the bodies. They need to change the bodies and leave the faces. <laughs> well, they kind of are, mind. depending on how you look at it. <laughs> it's very, very philosophical, Amber. Actually, this would be the perfect time to finally put Dermot Moroney and uh, Dylan McDermott <laughs> opposite each other in a film. I love it. I love it so much. And they're like, did we really change? Um, <laughs> that's the thing. And no one notices that it happened. Oh that's that's the premise. So we talked about this a bit on uh, Daily Zeitgeist, and I agreed with the idea that it should be all the Chris's. Chris Hemsworth, yes, Chris yes, Paul. I was just thinking and, that. Yeah. And, you know, and I so think... So wait, you mean not even just a two-person caster oh, no, and no, show? Faces yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. Face, faces. Faces, faces off. off. So well just done. don't know who is who. <laughs> All right, just for fun, we'll throw Chris Rock in there. <laughs> let's see, let's see what that. I looks think like. we'd know who. Yeah, yeah, that one I would think show. That one would make us know who. It's like, no, guys, it's me. So what's fine? What do you think that they're going to be? Because to to redo this, it's a bonkers premise. But the fun act, you know, like the the fun idea here for an actor to sink their teeth into is like John Travolta doing Nick Cage's mannerisms and vice versa yeah. was really fun to watch. Yeah. All under the direction of John Woo, mind <laughs> I you. know, I know. The, you know. the most delicate handled director. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, so, so yeah, clearly you have to have two actors who have like their own separate shtick that Noticeable they can do each other's oh, thing yeah. and then give them a loony pants director who will really run with this thing. Oh, yeah. Well, strangely, do you remember, is it The Switch, the Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds uh-huh. body <laughs> swapping? Uh-huh. Yes. So that one, but one of the reasons, yeah, not a great overall movie, but one <laughs> of the things that I found interesting for the same reason was watching Ryan Reynolds do Jason like Jason Bateman has such a noticeable speaking style. And yeah, so are there two actors that like so clearly to me what you're saying is Chris Walken should definitely be oh, yeah. it should be John Malkovich and Christopher Walken. There we go. Will Arnett and John Hawks. And then watching oh my god, and then watching like Christopher Walken do a um who did I say? Malkovich. Oh, Malkovich yeah. and vice versa. Like that's something. Then you're aware of like what they're doing at all times. Right. Because I think you need that to have like this fundamental premise seem as lively as possible, right? You want so, a yeah, whole Freaky def- Friday going. Well, definitely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So based on those criteria, I think a lock for one of the faces has to be Keanu Reeves because we know he has the action chops and we know he has a very particular style of acting. So we just need someone opposite of Keanu. Alex Winter. 
No. I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> um, I do like Keanu because the idea of someone else trying to be yes, Keanu automatically I mean, funny, but then the idea of Keanu trying to emulate like Steve Buscemi oh, or something. Maybe yeah. it's Joaquin Phoenix and Keanu, like Ooh. doing really weird things. Yeah. Okay, you said I got I literally thought of River Phoenix, and I was like inappropriate. Amber, past Benson. R.I.P. Joaquin Phoenix in Keanu Reeves. Almost. First off, I can sell that in any market. Yeah. I'm telling you right now. Also, because you know Joaquin will just go through great lengths to make sure he like nails Keanu. Yes. Like annoying. Wait, yeah. Whoa, it's a different movie. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a face-off I want to see. Yeah, yeah but speaking of, you know, we have the, the uh, outdated segments we want to rewrite. I definitely want in the sex scene between their wives for the wife to mention, when did you get circumcised? Like, like, like I definitely need that called out uh, oh. at some point. Okay, well, you know, uh, if you're listening, Hollywood, send the check. Yeah, go ahead. Send the check. Seven thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's all we want per uh, minute that we talked about it. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Drea with the upsell. Now it's time for our staff picks. It could be any movie in theaters, streaming, what have you. Amber, why don't you start? All right, um, I'm gonna go back, back in time. Yes. Diddly dee, <laughs> Um, and I just rewatched The Big Easy. Oh, oh wow! With Dennis Quaid and a, and a beautiful like. Like, incredibly talented young Ellen Barkin. Yes. Um, I love Ellen Barkin. And John Goodman, uh, mm-hmm. maybe spoilery, uh, playing like a not so nice character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you're allowed to spoil the big the easy. The big yeah. easy. It it's is, been it is 30 streaming. years have passed. <laughs> uh, no, but it's a really fun little movie. And it's nice to see, you know, Ellen Barkin and Dennis Quaid in their prime and enjoying the little. Uh, bantry back and forth. They have good humid chemistry. I had forgotten about yeah, that. They but, yeah, they do. Humid chemistry. I like that. Well, it's New Orleans, New Orleans. so everyone's oh. sweating a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good choice, yeah. Sam. Nice mm. one. I know. What do you think, Dre? You got a pick? Um, I do have a pick. I, you know, there's not not everything is coming out right now, so mm-hmm. I think like looking into the vault is important. And this past weekend, I did a conversation recontextualizing classics for Rooftop Cinema Club. Oh, wow. And um, the film we did was Rear Window, so I just rewatched oh, no. that. You should rewatch or watch Rear Window if you haven't. It was it was interesting because I, over the years in like my drunk arguments about movies, which I'm known to do, I think I was conflating a lot of vertigo with it mm-hmm. because in rewatching, I'm like, oh, I actually have less problems with some of the elements in this because they're actually from vertigo and not from Rear Window. Um, <laughs> But it's so well done, and you could look at it now. It's it's a very expensive movie for its time, but it's essentially a bottle episode. It's a <laughs> it's a movie that takes place all in one room and looking out of that room, and it's great, stop top to bottom. I mean, anyway, rear window. Was I right about Grace Kelly's first appearance? My God, Alonzo, she <laughs> yeah. takes the breath away. She yes. really does. Stunning. Stunning. Yes, and he does not deserve her in that film, but I'll oh, leave that for no. a different drunken rant. Indeed. Uh, I actually did find something that's sort of new. Um, there's a documentary streaming on Hulu called Untouchable about Harvey Weinstein. Oh. And it is, it's about Harvey Weinstein. So, like, if this is, if this is 
content warning material for you, then then be react accordingly. But uh, yeah, they they talked to like the people who worked at Miramax. They talked to Roseanne Arquette and Paz de la Huerta and like other women who are not household names, but who had their you know awful run-ins with him over the years. Uh-huh. And you know it is uh, it is a fairly damning portrait, and you know it's it tells a very hard story. So I mean, it's right up there, I think, with the surviving R. Kelly doc in terms of just allowing people to, you know, share their stories and and, and talk about what happened. And, you know, it just kind of is this sort of reminder of what people have been getting away with for so long in this industry and other industries. Ah, um, yeah, no, um, I'm a, I heard that that's really good, so I'm definitely going to check that out. Same, same as everyone here, haven't seen anything uh, super new and spicy to talk about. But you know, you know, I when I don't, I like to connect it to something I talked about earlier in the episode. This this staff pick is no different. Uh, you know, like I said, I like Bill Skarsgård's face. Uh, his face appears into a movie that I actually really loved, Atomic Blonde. Uh, oh, so speaking good. of movies where you like to see women beat the shit out of men. Uh, that's uh, Atomic Blonde is that. Uh, it was super fun. The uh, the um, staircase fight scene is just one of the best action sequences. And like if it, it it should be talked about in the same like conversations that we talk about the hallway scene in Old Boy and you know mm-hmm. and all of the dope. Uh, the uh, alley sequ- scene and they live. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the alley scene. And- <laughs> but yeah, so uh, definitely see. But he pops up and he's a nice little treat. He's like, oh, that's my boy Bill. Uh, yeah, Atomic Blonde. And now it's time for our five-star reviews. If you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it on air. Yes, we will read what you type on air. Just like what one ticket please typed. I discovered this podcast while listening to another Max Fun Treasure, Reading Glasses. There are so many movie podcasts available, but there are so few that separate themselves from being one of and stand as the one. If you're a movie nerd, the diverse voices on this show will leave you agreeing and arguing with your own commentary on your morning commute. Certainly one to support and subscribe to Rob. What? Thank you so much, Rob. Rob. That was very sweet. Amber, thank you so much for joining us. It was fun to have you here. Fun chatting with you. Where can people find you? Uh, in my house. <laughs> All right. Well, give them the address. <laughs> I don't, I'm not on the social medias very much anymore. Mm. Uh, Smart move. Yeah. yeah. Not, not a bad idea. It's too, it's too aggressive and intense. I just, I'm yeah, that called, That's called uh, self-care. Uh, Damn straight. If you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at Who Shot Your Pod. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Who Shot Your Podcast. Or send us an email at Who Shot Your at MaximumFun.org. Our producer is Casey O'Brien. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.